You might be a big, bad sinner. You might be a great sinner. In fact, you think about it, it's the only thing we're all great at. We're all great at sinning. You're a great sinner, but get over yourself. You're not greater than Christ. And you're not greater than His grace. Get over yourself and sit down and rest. Rest your conscience, rest from your works, rest from your fears of not being saved. You've been saved. You have been raised by God with Christ and he sat down and now you have to. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaken.com. We're in a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. We picked up a vast portion of Ephesians chapter 1 last week, and this week we're going to look at the beginning verses of Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read it to you now. The Apostle Paul writes this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of God. Every so often, what we need to do is we need to stop. And we need to realize. And we need to take a deep breath. Because we need to realize this is it. This, this is a word of God 
that has been parsed and preached, analyzed and analogized, poeticized and prayed over and stayed over. This is it. Every so often, you just got to stop. You got you to breathe. You got to realize what exactly has hit you. This scripture has hit you. This is it. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the centrality of, of Christ. This is the epicenter of grace. This is law. This is gospel. This is anthropology. This is theology. This is soteriology. All of these high concept words that are trying to help us understand what it is that we've got here. We've got a teaching on who people are. We've got a teaching on who God is. We've got a teaching on how people are saved. This is it. And because this is it, I want to do something today that is a little bit different. Instead of wrapping up this word in an image or, or trying to trace a narrative with it or, or trying to take you on a spiritual journey through it, what I want to do is something much simpler and I think today probably more profound for you. I want to do what Paul did. I just want to walk you through it. And I want to give you a teaching. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap up this teaching under the topic that this scripture is about. God's grace. That's what this word from Paul is about. God's grace. And we're going to define it with Paul. God's grace is God's undeserved love. And now we're already into it. It's God's undeserved love. Who does God love, according to Paul? Who does God pursue, according to Paul? Walk with me through it. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Dead. No understanding, no reaction, nothing. Dead. I heard a story from a pastor recently. He was in the hospital, and he was visiting this family who had just suffered the loss of a loved one. A man died of cancer. So in the back of the room, the machines are off. They're no longer whirring and beeping like the machines do. And the body's in the back of the room. And the pastor gathers with the family in the front of the room. And the family's facing him. He's facing the body. But there's this little boy there, grandson of this man who had died. And he goes up to the body. In horror of horrors, he takes his little finger right to the dead body's eye. Boink, boink, boink. No flinch. Nothing. Dead. Dead. Spiritually dead. Dead to God, dead to truth, dead to true love, dead to right and wrong, dead to what matters, 
dead to faith, dead to the gospel, dead, it's dead, it's dead, it's dead. How bad was it with us? It's not that we were, see, you know, beat up and mostly dead on the side of the road. And so what we needed from Jesus is for Jesus to come along and, you know, patch us up a little bit. It's not that we were drowning in an ocean of sins and what we needed Jesus to do is throw us a lifeline and we'll grab on. It was this bad. We were dead in the grave. And what we need Jesus to do is call us up out of it. It's as one speaker said, the gospel doesn't make bad people good. The gospel makes dead people alive. That's who we were. We were the walking dead. Yeah, I just did that. That show on AMC. You know what I'm talking about. We were the walking dead. Paul says, led. He says, led by the nose. The walking dead. That's who we were. We were led around by the nose, Paul says, by our thoughts and our desires. The, the world and its ways are leading us around. Led, Paul says, by, by the ruler of, of the air. It's in the air, Paul says, the spiritual atmosphere in which we live it seeps into us it shapes us so many people so many people get it wrong they honestly think that they are people who make their own beliefs and choose their own things I was sitting with an unbeliever recently it was so sad the man was telling me what he believed. I asked him, what do you believe? He was telling me what he believed. He said, this is what I do. I, I listen to everybody and I pick and choose what I believe. And so I asked him, what do you believe? And he told me what he believed. You know what he believes? What everybody believes. <laughs> he thought he was a king. He was a pawn. We don't make choices. Not in our beliefs. We're given them. It's in the air we breathe. Think about it. Why? Why does? Why do people think what they think about success? Well, because that's what everybody thinks success is. Why do people feel what they feel about human sexuality these days? I'll tell you, because everybody feels that way about human sexuality these days. Why do people? Why do people? act like they act towards, towards money and their jobs and their comfort and their security because everybody acts like that towards that. That's why they're led. Don't, don't take it from me. Take it from the great poet, Ed Sheeran. He's a pop artist. He knows this better than anybody else. He's got a song that's it's rising up the charts these days. It's called Bad Habits. You know what he said there? He said, I lose control. At least he knows it. He is led around by the nose. And he knows it. I can already hear the rebuttal. 
I've been a pastor long enough. I already know the rebuttal. But pastor, I know lots of unbelievers. They're good people. To which I say, oh, really? You know what the church has said for the longest time? Everything that the unbeliever does is sin. Why? They may well be doing a wonderful, beautiful thing, but they always do it for the wrong reasons. It's never for the Lord. The church fathers called them glittering vices. They're golden, they're beautiful on the outside, but at the, at the core, they're rotten. Glittering vices, they're called. We were the walking dead. And God loved us just like that. God loved us just like that. Can I intensify this just for a second? I'm going to even if you say no. You know, what, you know what knowing our sin is like? Knowing our sin is like looking at a number with too many zeros on it. We don't really fathom it. We can only begin to grasp it. Do you know how you know you are? You know you're starting to grasp your sin when you agree with Paul. You know what he said? At the climax of this section, he said that we are by nature. Now listen to that. He said we're by nature, by nature. He's, he's not talking about by action. He's not talking about what you did. He's talking about something more fundamental to who you are. He's, he's talking about who you are. He says, by nature, see, by nature. We are children of wrath. Children of wrath. Whoa. If you object to that, you object to that because you haven't grasped sin yet. But if you agree with that, then you're starting to get it. You're grasping it just a little bit. God, you're right. I see it. I see it in me. You know, perhaps, 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 perhaps we can, we can grasp that just a little bit further today. The the great Scandinavian pastor, a man by the name of Bo Geertz, he said that, that, that the sin nature in us is like a field, and you're a farmer. And what you want to do is you want to get all the rocks out of the field. You want to get all the sin out of the field, all the vices, all the sin out of your heart. You want to do that, and he says, this is what it's like. You go into the field, and you start picking rocks, and you start picking rocks, and there's always more rocks. And so you start digging, you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on under the rocks. I'm going to dig, I'm going to dig, and dig, I'm going to dig and dig and dig. And he says, he says that finally you dig far enough, and you find this out. The sin nature in us is solid granite. You, you know, I mean, try it in your own life. Start picking at all the vices, all the sin in your life. Pick it out, pick it out, pick it out. Dig, 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 dig. You know what you find? Granite. There's always only more. I mean, to take, take some TNT, you know, like Bible TNT. Blow up the sin nature, tunnel through it, dynamite that thing. You know what you find? There's always more sin. There's no bottom. 
Underneath your lust, you find pride. Underneath your pride, you find apathy. Underneath your apathy, you find living death. Such as Bo Gears, who thinks that the great poet John Donne, one of the greatest poets who ever lived, you know what he said? Perhaps his best known poem, he writes this haunting questions to God. Will you forgive the sin in which I started, which was my sin, though it was already done before? Will you forgive that sin through which I run and do run still, though still I do deplore? When thou hast done, thou hast not done, for I have more. God, will you forgive that sin through which I have won others to sin and made my sin their door? Will you forgive that sin which I did shun a year or two but wallowed in a score? God, when thou hast done, thou hast not done, for I have still more. That line has haunted me ever since I read it. God, when you forgive me, you haven't yet forgiven me because I got still more sin. That's John Donne. And God loved us just like that. God loved us with an undeserving love. That's not what I'm saying. That's what Paul's saying. He said, this is the way we were. He says, this is God. And I was, just, I was just telling you about it. I wanted you to understand it because I, all I want to do is I want to amplify the grace of God in your heart. That's it. Just amplify the grace of God in your heart. This is how we are. This is who God is. This is how many sins we got. This is how much grace God has. All I want to do is amplify it in your heart. See, true self-knowledge leads to true knowledge of the love of God. God loved us like that. But God, with his great love, Paul says, with his rich mercy, Paul says, when we were dead like that, Paul says, God raised us with Christ. And seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. See, there is us. And then there's God. With his great mercy and his rich love. And what Paul calls here the grace of God. It is by grace you have been saved. I want to I push on grace with you. You know, when we, when we think about God and we ask the question, well, who is God? The way that Christians answer that question is we think about the attributes of God. Who is God? These are his attributes. And, and when we think about God and, and who he is and his attributes, we take his attributes and we, and we classify them. We classify them typically in two categories. We say there's God, who God is in himself. And then there's who God is toward us. God in himself and, and God towards us. So who is God? God is holy. 
in himself. But who is God to us? He's just. Who is God in himself? God is love in himself in all eternity. Who is God to us? God is grace. He's grace. Grace is God's undeserved love. Grace is God loving the unlovable. This is a totally different way of, of love. A totally different thing than we think of a love. Love, normally when we think of love, love is, is pulled out of us because it desires something that is absolutely beautiful and absolutely good. So, so I love pizza. Because it tastes great. And we love sunshine because it gives us light. And we love pools because they keep us cool. And we love our spouses, well, hopefully for a whole bunch of reasons. That's how love works. It's not how grace works. Grace is God loving the unlovable. So I love really bad days. I love mosquitoes. I love car crashes. And I love cancer. And God loves you. God loves you. The you that was dead, the you that was led around by the nose, God loves you. We call that grace. Paul says God raised you up with Christ and he, he says that he seated you. See, he seated you in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to notice how interesting it is the way that Paul talks here. When he talks about what God did with us, he doesn't reference the cross here at all. He doesn't talk about the atoning sacrifice of Jesus at all. What's he talking about? He's talking about Christ's resurrection, and he's talking about Christ's ascension, right? God raised us with Christ. He's talking about spiritual resurrection there for us. God seated us with Christ. He's talking about Christ's ascension there. What God has done in Christ is he's connected you to Christ's resurrection and Christ's ascension. He has raised you. He has seated you. And that means that God wants you to rest. That's why you sit down, right? You go out on a long day. Your feet are killing you. What do you do? You sit down. You rest. That's why you sit down. What you're doing is you're taking the whole weight of your being and you are, you are trusting an external thing to you. You rest. You sit. You rest. That's what Christ did. After he did all his hard labor, what did he do? He did the hard labor of his perfect obedience, his, his bitter sufferings and his death, his atoning sacrifice. He did all that stuff, and then God raised him up, and he sat him down. Why? To rest. 
and he's seated you with Christ. So, rest. Let me put it like this. Sit down. (laughs) Rest. Why are you carrying your sins around? Sit down. Why are you carrying them around? Christ already carried them. Why is your conscience so heavy? Rest. Yeah, you did it. You did some big, bad, terrible thing. You did it. And Christ also did that. Sit down. Yes, you're going to sin again. You're a sinner. You're going to sin again. And you know what? God is going to give you more grace again. Sit down. Rest. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to battle against unbelief. I'm, I'm doing this. Some of you in here need to get over yourself. You might be a big, bad sinner. You might be a great sinner. In fact, you think about it. It's the only thing we're all great at. We're all great at sinning. You're a great sinner, but get over yourself. You're not greater than Christ. And you're not greater than his grace. Get over yourself and sit down and rest. Rest your conscience. Rest from your works. Rest from your fears of not being saved. You've been saved. You have been raised by God with Christ and he sat down and now you have to. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Paul says. And now I'm going to slow down. We're going to slow this down for a second. We're going to reflect on this together. Do you know this? God's grace is what separates Christianity from every other religion. Did you know that? Every other religion is a religion of works. All of the hundreds and thousands of different world religions, they're all religions of works. This is what you have to do to make yourself right with God. This is how you climb your rise up to God, climb your way up. All of them are religions of works. There's only one religion in all of heaven and earth that isn't a religion of works. It's Christianity. Isn't that the best proof that it's true? God saved you by grace. He did it. He did the whole thing. God saved you. God did it. God didn't ask you to climb up to heaven. God just brought you up there with Christ. Seated you. God did it. It's by grace you have been saved so. Dear Christians, don't boast. Don't boast. Stop it. You've been saved by grace. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. That's that's what Paul says. So don't boast. Don't say, she was a good person, she's with God. Don't say it. Don't boast. 
Don't say, I can do enough good enough good works for God. You can't. You can't. You were dead before you started. You can't do it. Stop it. Don't boast. Don't say that under your own power, you chose Jesus Christ and that's how you're saved. Don't say it. Stop it. Don't boast. God did it. He did the whole thing. God did it. This, is, this whole section is about Christian conversion. The whole section is about people coming to faith. The whole section is Paul explaining how it happens. How does it happen? He tells you, God raised you. God did it. God did it. Does anybody here raise themselves from the dead? No. God did it. So don't boast. Don't boast about any of it. In fact, let me, let, me, let me say this. If anybody is boasting about their good works, they have no idea where their good works come from. I mean, there's a lesser argument for that here. You've got to notice the prepositions, right? You've got to notice the prepositions. Paul doesn't say that, that you are saved because of your good works. He says that you are saved for good works, not because of for. God created you for that. You didn't do it. And that leads me to the bigger argument here. God made you who you are. That's what Paul says. Isn't that beautiful? God created you, Paul says. God made you his workmanship. Paul says you are God's poetry in the world, Paul says. God made you who and how you are. God did. God didn't just make who you are and, and how you are. God made you where you are right now. He made you where you are right now. Paul says with these good works, what he wants you to do is God wants you to walk in them. See, all the good works that God has for you, he just wants you to walk in them. They're not off over the internet. They're not on cable TV. They're, they're in walking distance. See, they're in walking distance. They're right here. Look at the good works that Paul lays out for you in Ephesians. What does he say? He says, church members. He says, church members. Dear church members, love each other. Love each other, he says. Love each other, serve each other, submit to each other, forgive each other. These are the good works. They're right here in walking distance. Some of them, you don't even have to walk. You're touching elbows with them. They're right here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Children, obey your parents. Employees, obey your employers. They're all in walking distance. God made who you are, how you are, where you are, and when you are. Paul says God made good works for you in advance. He planned them. 
so that a good work comes along and you fit like a key into a lock, unleashing God's life into the world. By the way, that, that doesn't mean you should sit at home and twiddle your thumbs and wait for a good work to fall in your lap. Sometimes what God does is he uses your plans. It's true. Sometimes your plans are God's plans. <laughs> he knew you were going to make that plan, and so he uses your plans. Sometimes God uses your plans, and sometimes God is a different one. It's a spontaneous interaction. It's a, it's a crashing into somebody else, literally or metaphorically. Sometimes your plans are God's plans, and sometimes they're not. God made who you are, how you are, when you are, and where you are. So don't boast. <laughs> this is an illustration. It's probably not going to work. I don't care. I walked in the house yesterday, and I was hungry, and there was muskmelon in the fridge. And it was all cubed up all nicely. I yelled at my wife, hey, Melanie, thanks for cooking that up. She said, I didn't make the melon. Don't boast. Don't boast. See, this is it. We've come to the heart of it now. This is the grace of God. It is what has been parsed and, and preached and analogized and analyzed, poeticized, prayed over and stayed over. This is it. It is the heart of the gospel. It is the centrality of Christ. It is the epicenter of grace. This is it. Sometimes you just got to stop and take a deep breath and see it. Maybe I can summarize what I'm saying like this. The Christian watchman, Nee, wrote a little book on the book of Ephesians, and he summed up the Christian response to God. He said, this is what Christians do in response to the grace of God. And what he did is he very memorably described body positions. This isn't yoga, not downward dog. But he described body positions. Here they are. Stand, sit, and walk. Stand. Stand against what you were. Stand against the evil one, the ruler of the spiritual atmosphere. Don't go back. You've been raised up from that. Do not go back. The Apostle Paul, by the way, says the exact same thing in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to get there in a few weeks. He says the exact same thing. He says you got to stand. He says you got you to put on the full armor of God. you got to stand. Don't go back. Sit. Rest from your works. Rest your conscience. 
some of, the, some of you today need to get over yourself. You can't. You're a great sinner. You're not greater than Christ. Rest. Sit with Christ. You already are. And then walk. God made you who you are, how you are, where you are, when you are. Walk. <laughs> walk in that. God has it for you. He made you for it. This is grace. This is grace. God's love. Undeserved. You are loved. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you, you are Lord of heaven and earth. In you, Lord, all things come together into unity. Lord, you sat down at the right hand of God having finished your sacrificial work on our behalf. Sit us there by faith today. Repose us by faith. Rest us by faith in you, Christ. And then teach us to walk for you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.